you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance, and today I am joined by the fabulous rock star that is Emma Isaacs. Emma is the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, Australia's largest community for women, and she's absolutely passionate about inspiring women to be bold, to be courageous, and to take risks. Um, Her story is one of an entrepreneur through and through, which we'll get to, Um, and at 26, while she was running a recruitment company, that's when she felt the urge to try something new and Business Chicks was born over the last 13 years. She has grown this phenomenal community from a group of around 250 members to what is now a global business that runs across two continents, 11 cities, and produces more than 100 events annually. Uh, Her past speakers include people like Sir Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Brené Brown, amongst others that she now considers friends and mentors. Born and raised in Sydney, Emma now lives in LA um, and is currently creating her own basketball team with five <laughs> young children. She's also raised over $12 million for charity. This woman is an absolute superstar. And I met Emma personally probably about eight years ago whilst I was in corporate. Um, and Emma is one of those women that absolutely lives and breathes this concept of collaboration, of support, of really encouraging uh, women to become the best that they can be. Welcome, Emma. I feel really lucky to have grabbed 30 minutes in your <laughs> jam-packed awesome. It's great to talk with you. So... Your best-selling author of a new book, Winging It, which we'll get to shortly. But let's just quickly go back to those early days of, of business chicks, of where did that initial desire come from to create what has become the phenomena that is business chicks? I think you need to go back a tiny bit to understand where the motivation came from. I mean, I... Uh, went to university and lasted for six months, so I'm a, a proud university dropout. But even before then, I'd read probably 25 or 30 biographies of successful people, and they're people that we all know, the Michael Dells, the Bill Gates, Richard Branson's, and whether I knew it or not at the time, I just realised that there weren't many female role models. So I think that planted a seed with me from a very, very early age that I either wanted to know these women or I wanted to learn from them or I wanted to become that that person. So I think that was kind of the the seed of where, um, you know, the idea came from. But it wasn't like I had this huge grand plan at all, really. My whole story is about just trying new things and having a go and backing myself and seeing where it takes me. And where is where does that passion come from to keep you going in terms of being that trailblazer, that inspiration for women around the world now to become more? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the drive was inherent. I've always been a really competitive person, really determined. That's just who I am innately as a personality. 
But as the business has grown and we've been able to reach a level of scale, I'm really exactly the same as you, like really driven by our members and their success. I'm really driven by the responsibility I have now. I have a responsibility to my people who work with me in the business. I have a responsibility to my family, you know, to put food on the table. And, and that's a huge, you know, when you have five of them, there's five little personalities and five different sets of needs. So I'm very, very driven to support my family and be a role model for them. But, but truly, um, you know, I, I don't need much external motivation because I can see what our work does and the impact it has. And, and, and the work is quite invisible. I mean, people know the brand as the events that you attend um, and perhaps the speakers that they've been able to, you know, hear over the years. But for us, events are still a minority revenue stream. And yes, it's where people come together and it's where people kind of get religion on the brand and it's where we get to eyeball and hug each other. And, you know, it's phenomenal. Nothing can take away that energy and, and, and you know, never mind the education, the inspiration you receive from it, but the connection is so important. But it's still a small part of our, um, our brand and our business. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I am I am driven to create something special. I, I do want to have an impact with women. Um, you know, the work is largely invisible apart from the event stuff, but really what we're all about is, you know, connecting women. We're about being there at a moment to support them. So we'll often fund women into businesses. We'll provide... I don't know, bridging loans if, if they need it. You know, that sort of stuff we don't talk about a lot, but that's what the true work of business chicks is and, and that's what drives me. It's it's personally very, very satisfying to be able to truly help and, and yeah, support our community. That's great. Now, in those early days, um, as we all know, it's not always unicorns and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Um, in your book, you talk about um, literally starting out with this vision with the fabulous Olivia. Can you share a moment where... Maybe you did sit and go, what on earth am I doing? Um, And what kept you going? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint kind of one one moment. There have been numerous and there's, there's never a day that passes when I don't doubt myself in some capacity or, you know, scratch my head like, well, what are we, what are we doing, what are we trying to do? I mean, that never, that never leaves me, it, it, um, it, it fuels me in a way to be able to figure those problems out. Um, I don't know, I don't know if I can name an absolute moment. Um, you know, it's, it's been a very, very tricky business to commercialise. You know, when we started 13 years ago, there was the women's space, you know, you know, we, we knew each other not long after that, but the women's space was truly uncharted territory. So in a lot of ways, we were helping to shape a category. And, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky that we've been able to build a proper business with a really solid infrastructure and worked out ways to not only have an impact with our work, but also make it a financially viable business. Um... For us, that's really, really important. I think it's as women, it's really, really important to take a stand and say it's okay to be financially successful and we should all aim for that. And I don't want to take that away from you and you shouldn't take that away from me and there's enough to go around. But, um, you know, so we've definitely had, had challenges on cash flow and moments of, you know, <laughs> why are we doing this again? <laughs> but, you know, my, my role as a leader is to make sure we, we have a very solid um, foundation financially and to make sure... We're not only making an impact, but we're building and scaling a successful business yeah. as well. And the tribe is is really powerful here in Australia. Mm. I mean, even if you haven't been to a Business Chicks event, most people know about Business Chicks. What do you think um, has fundamentally created that that tribe, that, that movement mm. of women that know what Business Chicks stands for? I think we know our brand 
very, very well. I think we hire against our brand very, very well. I think we protect our brand enormously. I think we invest a lot in our brand. And when I say brand, I'm not talking the logo and the, the bad name, <laughs> the business street name or the colours. That's nothing. That's branding and it's important. Um, you know, when I think about brand, I think about our brand as an employer. I think as our brand, you know, with the partners we, we work alongside. And it's all very steeped in values and, um, you know, it's steeped in kindness and courage, hopefully. And it really is a return to kind of the basics that can be missing from business at times. So I would hope that any interaction you have with our team, you know, you'd feel left with a sense of kindness and like you matter and, and we care about you and I think we've just done a really good job at, at hiring really well um, we I am like a lioness with our culture if something you know if someone is in the business and they're not um, you know supporting everyone else or they're bringing them down you know we have to make tough decisions on, on those sort of situations but yeah I really think when it comes down to it we hire really well we protect our brand we protect our culture our people are everything to us I would you know that they're like the absolute like my family I treat them like um, I would treat my kids or my or my hubby so I think I think it's just that return to really core values that we that we will not um, we just will not negotiate on it's just it, it's a bit of a hard line but it's, it's something that we just protect and stand by. Do you feel um, a responsibility for this community and what are the pluses and minuses of that feeling? Mm. I feel a deep responsibility. It never, ever leaves me. Um, there's never a moment when I'm not thinking, how can I help this person? What, can I, what do they need? Um, but it's not draining. It's, it's not as if I, it's like work to me. It energises me to be able to do that. Um, yeah, the, the, there's the, the pluses are, I mean, the work is incredible. It's taken me around the world. I've met some exceptional people, members, uh, lifelong dear friends of mine. You know, the culture part of the business is something that I love and the people who have worked in this business, a lot of them have done five years with me and then gone away somewhere else and then come back for another, you know, three or four and we've got six or seven people who have done that. That, that I love. Um, you know, I, I was the MC at one of our team members' weddings. I was the bridesmaid to two of them, another one, you know, Olivia's wedding. That, that to me matters, and, and I definitely feel a deep responsibility to our people to give them a great experience and, yeah, to to, to help them achieve and actualise whatever they want to do. Um, yeah, I, but again, it's it's an absolute joy and privilege. This it's not as if it's a responsibility that I think, oh, I've got to start. It's like we're not we're not sending rockets into outer space. We're we're trying to support women to live bigger lives. So that's fun, right? It totally is. Yeah. And do you think um, it's a conversation I've been having quite a lot at the moment where this this conversation about diversity, um, about women in the workplace, to me. We've only just starting to scratch the surface of it. Um, from your perspective, um, how do you feel that we're heading in terms of that uh, balance, in terms of us or women having the space that they should do or the place that they should do? Do you think we're heading quickly enough? Mm, well, no, we're definitely not. The, the, mm. the, you know, the science will tell us we're absolutely not, um, you know, tracking along well at all. I mean, it, it's a very warped reality you and I find ourselves in because wherever we go, you know, mostly it's, um, you know, of course you don't have to convince someone that there should be equity in businesses, on boards, in, in government. Like it's, it's 
our, our world. But yet, of course, the, the numbers tell us that we're not moving fast enough at all. Um, it's, it's a tricky one. You know, obviously, our, our work is with women. Um, we try and take a stance of not... It's not about trying to necessarily... How can I articulate this? Um, you know, I, th I think there's an argument that says women have to change in order to, to get ahead. You know, the kind of lean-in philosophy, you know, we're just not doing it right, therefore that's why things aren't changing. I think no one would argue that there's a systemic issue in corporate Australia, um, in our, you know, globally, um, in our parliaments. You know, there's a systemic culture shift that we need to make and it needs to happen drastically fast. It's not, we're making some small inroads, but it's not moving fast enough. But I suppose from our brand point of view, um, you know, we, we don't, um, you know, it's not as if we're trying to compete against men. It's not as if we're trying to be a complete advocacy group. Um, you know, we believe that we provide a beautiful, safe forum and space for women to get together and develop their leadership skills and develop their networks and um, develop themselves. And I think that will... Uh, play a part in changing the landscape. Is it the only solution? It absolutely is not. Um, but I think it's going to take everyone, all the different groups, all the different, um, you know, initiatives to, to work together. You know, there's not one kind of size, one size fits all solution to how we reach gender parity. And, and you know, I, I'm actually, even though I run uh, Business Chicks, I'm actually more interested in the diversity question, not just from a gender point of view as well. Um, you know, it's something that we really try and, and talk a lot about. I'm interested in diversity from an age point of view as well. I think um, we still live in an age of society, so we love being able to tell the stories of our members, um, you know, at both ends of the spectrum. Our youngest member is 16 and our oldest is 82. Um, and, you know, we love trying to include all ages in, in the conversation. Now, you talked, you touched on feelings of self-doubt, which the work that we both do, we probably hear all the time of imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough, etc., etc. And I'm imagining some people are seeing you right now with this wonderful global business, this tribe, a best-selling book. Um, we see through social media a life. But can you share... Um, Maybe that moment in the book, I read the gorgeous, it was it's really lovely, the piece where you talked about the US and where it wasn't quite going to plan, um, what you felt then, and most importantly, how you got yourself out of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for, sh for sure. So, so the backstory is, gosh, probably about three or four years ago, I decided I wanted more growth, not just for the business, but for myself as well. I wanted to experience living in a different culture and um, wanted to grow the brand, so... Uh, we made a decision to move overseas to the US, where we're now based. We live in Los Angeles. Um, and for me, it was just a realisation that, um, yeah, I think I was coasting a little bit here in Australia. You know, everything was going really well, um, but I love to be pushed outside my limits. So we packed up the family and, um, you know, 38 pieces of luggage and something like 500 <laughs> kilograms of luggage. And we uh, got to Sydney Airport and we moved the whole family. And... Look, it's been an absolutely extraordinary experience, there's no doubt. We absolutely love living in the US. Um, it's, particularly LA is a very creative and dynamic entrepreneurial culture and the ecosystem is alive and well. You know, everyone's got a side hustle. Everyone, you know, entre entrepreneurship is actually revered there. People look up to entrepreneurs. It's different here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the upshot is that um, our launch into the US, um, you know, was pretty much a complete failure. It cost me uh, close to $2 million. 
Um, it caused a lot of stress to my family and um, to my leadership team in Australia. Um, you know, after doing probably about 25 events over there, which were all beautifully and, and well accepted, you know, the brand, uh, not the name, but the, the, the entire brand resonated really well and people, um, you know, flocked to the events with seven, 800 people in ballrooms in LA and New York and San Fran. So from an outsider's perspective, great success. Huge support from people like Ariana Huffington and Randy Zuckerberg and Rachel's all, all great. Um, but just from a business point of view, completely unviable for us in that moment. So um, it was a terrifically challenging time. We were bleeding the Australian business dry of cash um, and I just had to, you know, make a decision with my leadership team here, which was probably the first time when it wasn't just me on my own making calls. Um, and that hurt as well because... I don't know, it's not like I had a toddler tent or anything, but it's like, you know what it's like when you're on your show for forever, you're like, I'm the one who's meant to be calling the shots, but I mean, thank goodness, that's, that's why we have um, teams around us and executives making decisions, because they're meant to guide and lead us in the right um, in the right way. So yeah, look, the, the upshot is we had to stop running the business, um, uh, yeah, put the business on, on hold as it is now. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I've, I've got a pivot. I've, um, I've just raised a heap of cash for a new venture over there, which is still related to business chicks. So, you know, the, the story does have a happy ending. But, yeah, I mean, that time was terrible. It was awful for me. It was, I felt like a complete failure. Um, I, I was a complete failure, and that's okay. Um, it hurt for about six months there. Um I suppose how I dealt with it was just to give my t myself the time to process it because it is uh, you do have to walk through um, or step through a grieving process and and to be really honest, like it was my first really big business failure. I've had, I've had a ton of failures, but none that um, cost as much and none that um, you know hurt as deeply as that. So yeah, so I gave myself the space um, to just kind of get through that. And what did I do to get get over? It? I mean. Um, I read a book. <laughs> I read a book in that time. I had my fifth baby. Um, and I just allowed myself the space to say, you know what, yep, it was a complete failure. It doesn't mean that I'm a complete failure. That was a complete failure. Um, and I, I, I do, I talk about the book, but it it's, doesn't need to end there. You know, it's just another chapter to a story. And I have now picked myself up and I'm about to go again with, um, yeah, with a new venture. Um, and, and, and there's definitely room for a business chick's iteration of some sort but I haven't figured that out yet. Mm. Um, what you're talking to is there's almost like genius in giving something up or pivoting. Mm. Um, Didn't feel like genius. No, it won't have done at the time but isn't it interesting where I think sometimes and I'm sure you see it in your world too, people hang on sometimes mm. for too long and the genius is giving yourself permission to try and work out what's next which requires time. Yeah. Um, I mean I see it too many times of people hanging on to that business, banging their head against a brick wall, equally getting the wrong advice or people not telling them to stop and do something different mm. and um, there's something really empowering as hard as it is at the time to to work through it. Mm. I want to touch on because we're, we're really short of time here but um, 
The question that people will want to know, and I've been asked, is this whole thing about the balancing the multiple plates. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's not that you have an awesome tribe of your own in terms of five beautiful kids and a wonderful, supportive husband. Um, it's not that you're a friend or a mother or a business owner. I think the bigger question is this one of, I hate the term, but how do you do it all? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, again, you talk about the four plates And what I really loved about what you shared is it's okay that one doesn't get any attention. Mm -hmm. And it was you, unfortunately, I think, when you said my diet or my exercise. Can you just share a little bit more of your thinking around that? Because, again, I hear so many people asking, how do I get balance? I don't believe balance actually exists. I think it's integration. And one of the things I talk about a lot is everything has an opportunity cost. And I think we've so busy focusing on what we're gaining we're failing to recognize what we're losing and therefore actually we're not making the choice that's right for us Mm. and as women um, and men um, every couple of years I think we need to reassess um, where we're putting things and give ourselves permission Mm. to reset so as a awesome business owner entrepreneur working across boundaries five children lots of people within the business and tribe (laughs) How, how are you how are you looking after Emma um, well, it's a, it's a hard question. There's no silver bullet. There's no, again, one-size-fits-all approach. I suppose I advocate for what, you know, what brings you the most joy and what gives you the most energy um, and, you know, where your strengths truly lie. You know, and for me, right now, the reality is with five young children and, and a business that requires a lot of travel of me and, and a lot of myself um, personally, um, you know, I spend all my time in the two buckets, if you like, of family and business. And, you know, that theory that you're talking about is called the four burners theory, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have heard about. And it basically said, I didn't invent this theory, by the way, but it basically says that um, you imagine your life like a cooktop stove. You have four burners. One represents your, your work or your career or your business, one represents uh, your family, one represents um, health and fitness, and one represents your, your friendships and your social life, right? And it's basically the, the whole philosophy is that to be successful, you must have one of those burners pretty much turned off. And to be really, really successful, you've got to have kind of two turned off. Um, and, you know, I was kind of living this way before I even um, fell, fell over this theory, and I thought, okay, well, that, that kind of might help other people understand, um, you know, how to, how to tackle this, this juggle and the, the balance thing that we all seem to struggle so much with. And I struggle with it. It's not mm-hmm. as if, um, you know, I've got it all sorted by any means. But for me, you know, I spend all my time in my business or with my family and, you know, I turn down 99% of social engagements. Um, I get asked to, to a lot of pretty incredible stuff um, and I, I turn it down because I want to spend the time with my family. Um, you know, on the weekends, that's pretty sacred family time. Um, yeah, I'll do a bit of work, but it's pretty sacred to us. Um, right now, I'm not prioritising, you know, I'm not running marathons. I, you know, I mean, I have five kids and I, we live in a house, you know. You're probably doing a marathon a day. I'm doing a marathon a day. Like, come on, I'm carrying babies up and down the stairs a hundred times. So I, it's not as if I'm just sitting, you know, behind a desk the whole time. Um, and, you know, like my friends, I, I have a very tight-knit group of friends, but I'm, I'm not kind of, you know, going away on retreats and everything. But... You know, it's it's kind of the whole work-life balance thing. It frustrates me a little bit because it kind of comes from a judgmental place that you should work less and you should try to live more. And for me, 
I've never seen the delineation. It's all just one big thing. And if I find myself getting stressed or burnt out or exhausted, I, I just stop myself and I go, okay, what do I need to bring more of in? What do I need more of in this moment? You know, like, do I need to go and get a green kale juice, which I needed to do yesterday morning? And that's not going to solve much at all, but that's what I needed in that moment. So it's, um, yeah, I just, and I also think that it's kind of the wrong conversation to be having. You know, the, 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 your question was beautiful, actually. You know, what does Emma need right now? And that's what we should be asking of ourselves. You know, it's not, oh, do I have the scales perfectly tipped each day? Am I getting, you know, it's like just, it's actually quite boring to, to think like that. But, you know, if you know what gives you energy, if you know where your passions lie, if you know what responsibilities you have, then you'll focus on, on those things, you mm. know, and you'll, you'll work it out. But I, I just think the whole... You know, how we're balancing everything. I'm just, I don't know, I've moved. I don't think I've we can. Yeah, I totally it's agree. It's just elusive. It's, it's impossible. It is. And I think, it, unfortunately, it still continues to be that conversation in corporate land mm. with the, the women that I work with of this balance piece. Mm. You touched on friends and social thing being one of the burners that needs to keep going. Mm. As your success started uh, coming to fruition, as your, your world move to business and in a growing family did you lose friends as you grew no because I I had my first business when I was 18 so I've always been an entrepreneur and always been very very driven I suppose the sorts of people that I've attracted into my orbit people who understand that mentality um, and what it actually takes to 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 grow and run businesses so a lot of my friends um you know I'm thinking those five or six they're all entrepreneurs they you know they they all get it um and, you know, we're there for each other in the moments, you know, and, and you can, can kind of condense that into, you know, a 10-minute conversation rather mm. than having to have a three-hour coffee and, you know, it's like, what do you need? What's going on? Tell me. And it's a quick coaching kind of conversation. Um, so, so, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I've got so many friends from, um, you know, I've had them for many, 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 many years now and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I talked about in the book, I'm pretty careful with who I allow in my energy. I know that sounds really kind of wanky or a bit woo-woo, but we, we, we forget that we actually can choose. Like, we can mm. choose not to hang around people who are negative. We can choose not to hang around people that drain us. We can say no to spending time with those who frustrate us. Or, you know, and I try and just have... Time is just that one precious commodity we cannot exchange or get back and for me it's like life is just too short to surround myself with mm. negative people and I just don't have any of those people in my life I'm, I'm, it's, I'm kind of brutal with it um, but I just I have no time you know and it means you know the people that work with me in my businesses are very much cup half full people they're very optimistic you know I'm not saying they're always running around you know like wow you know, this is, the world is the best but they you know they definitely have um a skew towards optimism and possibility and um yeah I, I like that I just I think we forget I think we can get too stuck in our ways and and forget that we actually get to choose we get to choose and create and design anything we want and that might mean divorcing some concepts or people from our lives, and that's cool too, you know, it's, it's okay. I could not agree more. I wrote about shadow archetypes in my book of those friendships, and uh, again, it's incredible how many people go, gosh, you can walk away from people, yeah, it's you, God, it's okay. <laughs> so, Emma, if you lost everything, what would you do? 
how much am I left with? Like, are you going to give family. me Family. You can have your family. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you've got $50 in the bank. Oh, my God. <laughs> Aussie dollars as well. Buy me a real Aussie dollars. At least give me USD, please. <laughs> um, if I lost everything, what would I do? Um, I think... I'd go straight back to my parents' house <laughs> and, and crash with them and take a breather. I, you know, I, ha- I have no fear of losing everything. Obviously, as you get older, the stakes are higher. Um, the, you know, the financial risk is, is higher. You, you know, you develop more assets and, and there's a greater risk. But I have absolutely no fear of losing everything. I remember when I was... I've been to India four times. I remember on the first trip I went there, I came back and I was living in this tiny little apartment in the city here in Sydney and I remember walking into my little apartment with my backpack and I just thought you know what I need nothing like I honestly need nothing like if you know this if I if I lost you know my apartment I just would try and grab my journal and a few photos and I'd be good um so I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely not a materialistic person I don't even care for money I, I love what money does for a, a life well lived but I couldn't care less uh, for it apart from that um, so I, I would like to think I'd be totally cool I would I would you know I'd get up and try again and I don't know I, I think I'd be fine excellent and what's what's the one thing that um, you know to be true deep down oh gosh that's a really good mm. question isn't it um, the one thing I know to be true okay let me answer it like this I think in a business perspective you only get one chance to build and create a reputation and it can only take one small thing to ruin that so I think the ethics and the values you live by have got to be paramount have got to be front of centre in every single decision you make whether that's hiring people firing people but just having that moral compass to know that you only have one reputation and that's pretty much all we've got right like we can everything else you can change and and deviate from but reputation is everything I think in my personal life um oh gosh I didn't know we're going to go this deep Janine um what do I know to be true I I think from a parenting perspective and it's something I'm thinking about quite deeply now because I've been away from the family for the last two weeks and they're suffering and I'm suffering and I get to see them again next week um you know attachment is so important um having children feel secure and safe and attached um is just absolutely everything um and yeah i'm just excited to get back to america and apologize to them <laughs> this book thing has been a really grueling time for them as well i've been away a lot so i just um need to show them a lot of love and get us back on on track that's just mm. awesome. Mm. To finish off, you've written a fantastic book, Winging It. Um, I think you said it's on its fourth print run already. Third, it's on my third. third. Um, in a month, best though, that, Which is good. phenomenal. You were in Wagga Wagga yesterday in Australia, <laughs> so you're obviously travelling the world promoting it. Um, anyone listening that's interested in hearing Emma's um, really truthful an honest story about how she's got to where she is with everything from cash, business, family, friends, love. Make sure you have a read. But I'm curious, what was it that made you write it? And what's your wish for the book? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, look, really, the, the, the true answer is I have been trying to write a book for 
um, ever um, and I had a wonderful staff member join the business a couple of years ago and I came back to Australia and met her for the first time and she said, Em, you just have to write a book. Everyone's told me that they've tried to do this with you for ages. I'm the one to do it with you and I was very, very scared of her so I said, okay, <laughs> let's do it and that sort of set us on a path to um, interviewing publishers and, and getting a, a book deal which was great and, and the why behind what I did, I mean, you know, our influence and our reach can only go so far and I do feel a level of responsibility to share anything that I've learned along the way and I just thought a book would be a really great you know like like you did just a great kind of not legacy I don't like that word but you know great tool to put out in the world and I always wanted it to be completely warts and all and very honest and very exposed um and it's hard-hitting in places, I think. Um, you know, I'm not one to sugarcoat things. I, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm very brave when it comes to making decisions, and I just wanted to impart that to others. Um, and I wanted to push myself as well. I wanted to see if I was able to do it. I felt like I had a boss for the first time, having a publisher give me deadlines. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And, and you know what? I, I, um, I probably wrote about 250,000 words and there's probably only 65 or so thousand in the book. Um, so I'm confident they're all great words and we're really proud of it. You know, we're really proud to put it out in the world and, and you've been an amazing support with it as well. So I wanted to thank you, Janine, for that. Because you've been wonderful with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a great process. It's, it, it definitely has been worth it. It's definitely worth it. Make sure to grab a copy. And finally... Um, You've said finally. I know, times. this is definitely the finally. I'm keeping my eye on time. What? Finally, finally, definitely finally. Um, what does Emma want to be remembered for or as? Oh, I think I just want to be remembered as being someone who was really kind and who truly cared about others. Mm. Well, having met you, I think probably about eight years ago now when I was still in corporate job, um, there is no doubt in my mind that you live and breathe that every day as somebody that is continuously kind. Every time I see you, which is few and far between between your travels, and when I get to Business Chicks at that crazy time in the morning, you run over with a big hug and you're definitely kind. And incredibly supportive, you always have been of me, so I want to thank you on that. Emma, I could keep talking to you, but I am so respectful of the fact that you are about to run off and do even more crazy stuff. Um, For me, some of the key learnings is I think your point about it's a new chapter to a story is one of those simple set of words that's something that many of us forget that life is one journey and each part of it is that chapter and it doesn't mean that you've failed it means that that moment is a chance to learn and move forward so love that piece the moral compass piece in business yes Um, I think the challenge with social media is we can often see one thing on social media but the reality is very different behind the four walls and to be consistent on that moral compass not only yourself, but through your team, um, is something that we can all look up to. And uh, the word that I would wrap up with the thing around the family is love. Um, You know, at the end of the day, the buck starts and ends with those little people and those little human beings that we're creating for a future way after we've gone. And finally, just the passion that you have that hasn't changed since day one. Um, So congratulations on everything you've achieved. I will be flicking you any questions I get. Um, But thank you, Emma. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks for having me, Janine. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. Follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more. Visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.